Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good to get to see you this morning. Good to be with you. Uh, this is kind of a, uh, an unusual thing to have to, to have happen the way it happened because I'm doing a, a an African program uh, at Texas Tech University tomorrow. Diane Crowley, that all of you probably know, asked me to come do that, and we just kind of tailor made on this uh, this in program. I want you to be with me in this. Uh, I'm doing a lot at schools in Lubbock. Uh, we are appearing in several schools tomorrow and then a, a committee meeting tomorrow night and then schools again tomorrow, K through 12, and then a uh, volunteers meeting. And Diane says to me, and she knows me and she knows that I'm a Christian, her brother in the Lord, and I'm going to speak for Jesus wherever I go. And then she said to me, now you realize this is in public schools. So they don't want you to either be politically or religiously motivated. So I said to her, Diane, that's who I am. And if it does not show that I'm a Christian, I better clean up my act. And so I said, I know better than to abuse the privilege, but this is America. And I'm going to speak for Jesus, I'm going to mention Bibles, and I'm going to mention preaching as well as uh, working with the poor and the hungry and the HIV-AIDS people. I have a lot of uh, stuff with that. But I, I, like the, I like the line of my good friend Zig Ziglar who said one time, I can be, I can be hired, but I can't be bought. And, uh, and so she said, well, I'm sure it'll work out okay. And I don't think she's really worried about it. I'm certainly not. But, but, but I've got to tell you this sadness. It is really, really sad when in the United States of America, one nation under God, that you have to be really, really careful what you say out in the public and in our public schools and places like that. I go to South Africa regularly. I was just in Venda, South Africa in March, February of this year. I spoke in 16 public schools and gave out 4,000 Bibles and never had to worry about mentioning the name of my Jesus and handing out copies of His Word. And America needs to think about that and get back what has been taken away from us in this country. Now, I am delighted to get to be with you for the class this morning to give a couple of the lessons that I gave that I recently was thinking about on what's really important. I mean, the older I get... And I hope that you're this way at whatever age you are. I want, I want to spend my life with things that really count, that really matter. And in Philippians 1, the Apostle Paul said, what does it matter? The important thing is that Christ is preached. I'm going to rejoice in this and I will continue to rejoice. So I gave you in class my lesson is starting with the four things that I just wrote. There are a lot more that could be given, but four things that I wrote down, things that really matter. And I believe it really matters that we capture the concept of the sovereignty of an almighty God. And in this lesson this morning, in, in this worship period, we're giving you one called honor and respect for the Word of God. And I have to kind of give you a word of explanation about this because I'm not going to be talking about being doctrinally pure. I think that's involved in what I'm talking about, but it, but there's a, there's a step before we talk about hermeneutics and, and, and command example and inference and whether or not we take communion every Sunday and does the grape juice have to be fermented and a lot of other issues. 
I think long before that, we need an idea about what the Bible really is. I think we need to capture again an awe and a reverence in a land that doesn't reverence many things. And I'm going to attempt to do that with you and for you this morning. I thought about having you stand, and then I thought, no, I'm not going to have you stand for the reading of the Word of God, but I'm going to read a rather lengthy reading. It's all found in the 119th Psalm, but it's not going to be all of that Psalm, not all of the verses. I'm just going to pick and choose, and I'm not going to tell you which verses I'm reading. And, and the reason I'm reading these verses out of Psalm 119 Psalm 119 is very unique for a couple of reasons. Number one, it is the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. And all but two of them refer to the Word of God, the law of God, the precepts of God, the commandments of God. David had a real reverence and awe for the Word of God. And I want you just to listen while I read a select few passages just to read you about the Word of God. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep His statutes. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your Word. I have hidden your Word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Lord, teach me Your decrees. I rejoice in following Your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate upon Your precepts and consider Your ways and I delight in Your decrees. I will not neglect Your Word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in Your law. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. Let me understand the teaching of your precepts and I will meditate upon your wonders. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I run in the path of your commands for you have set my heart free. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees. I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes. Your laws are good. I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love. I remember your ancient laws, O Lord, and find comfort in them. Though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. Teach me knowledge and good judgment For I believe in your commands. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. I know, O Lord, that your laws are righteous. I have put my hope in your word. All your commands are trustworthy in your word. All your commands are trustworthy. O Lord is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. By your precepts, you have preserved my life. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. 
How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. And therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. I have put my hope in your word. I stand in awe of your laws. The unfolding of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. Righteous you are, O God, and your laws are right. They are fully trustworthy. Your righteousness is everlasting and your law is true. Your statutes are forever right. See how I love your precepts. All your words are truth and your righteous laws are eternal. Seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous laws. Great peace have they who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. In the class this morning, I referred you to a couple of verses about the Bible, the law of God. And one of them is in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 14 to 17 that Eben read uh, very wonderfully in your presence here this morning and the other in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 19 to 21. And, and, and Paul says, and these are words from the NIV, but the King James, and, and by the way, all of the translations are very good in expressing what the Bible is. But Timothy says in the NIV of it, your words are God breathed. I want you just to try your best to let those words sink into your heart about the Bible, the Word of God, is what came out of the very essence of what's coming out of God. When the breath comes out of God, it's the Bible, the Word of God, is what we get. And then Peter said so clearly in Second Peter chapter 1, holy men of old didn't speak as they were uh, uh, moved by their own words. Uh, they didn't speak of their own private interpretation. We talk so much about, well, that's just your interpretation. He said, holy men of old were spake as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit of God. And you get the idea that your Bible that I see most of you holding in your hands this morning were words that were God-breathed and words that the men spoke that wrote this Bible, those 40-some-odd writers of the 66 books that make up our Bible, as they were carried along, moved or picked up and carried along by the Holy Spirit of God. There is not another writing on the face of the earth that can claim what we just read about the Bible. We believe that God wrote what He wanted. And He wanted what he wrote. And as we look in the Bible for the purpose of Scripture, we'll find in John 8 and verse 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And Paul said in Acts 20 and verse 32, Now, brothers, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among those that are sanctified. And we're to find patience and comfort through the words of God. Romans 15 and verse 4. 
And Jesus said in John 10 and verse 10 uh, that, that His way his way is right. And He came, the, the, the thieves and the murderers came not to, to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I came that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. And in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 11, it said, all these things happened unto them. Speaking about all those stories in the 39 books of the Old Testament for our learning and were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. And God wrote in 1 John 1 and verse 4 that I've written these things so that your joy may be full. What about America and the Word of God? Well, the Bible has shaped human values all over the world. The Bible has shaped our legal and social systems in the United States of America. Many people have forgotten, but courts used to be held in churches by lawyers who knew and used the Word of God. America's history has been bathed in the Word of God. And with all of the attempts of people to get the Bible out and prayer out, our government buildings are literally saturated with plaques and things in their uh, cornerstones of their building and etched on the buildings themselves copies and words from the Word of God. But in spite of all of that, there is in our world today a shameful famine of knowledge of the Word of God. Hosea said in Hosea 4 in verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I want to bring to your attention this morning a real great problem in churches of Christ, as well as all the other people of America. And that is that we simply, generally do not know what the book teaches. I was talking to a preacher not very long ago and he said, Oh, Marvin, I'm having such trouble with the elders of my congregation. And I said to him, what seems to be the problem? And he says, they simply do not know the book of God. And let me tell you, when shepherds of the flock of God do not know the Word, the church is in extreme danger. It isn't that we need to know every nook and cranny, that we need to know the answer to every issue that people ask us. They're, they're going to ask us so many questions about so many issues that we don't know about. And I'm not concerned this morning with so many of the issues of the church as for people to know and to understand and, and read, pull through their bodies and through their minds the Word of an Almighty God. Jesus said in Matthew 22 and verse 29, You err in not knowing Scripture. And Peter said in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, Grow in grace and in knowledge of the truth. So what is the Word of God? This lesson is on giving honor and respect to the Word of God. I don't come to talk conservative and liberal this morning. I don't come wondering how you stand on a lot of issues and don't want you to wonder how I stand on many issues. I want us to have a marvelous, reverent respect for the book that you hold in your hand, for a copy of the Word of God. The Bible says every word of God is flawless. And when I was asked to go to Liberia, as many of you knew about and even helped with, we got a chance at their last election where 22 people ran for president. And one of those presidential candidates said to me, Marvin, we need 100,000 copies of the Word of God. It is not important whether he won the election. He came in 20th, by the way, of 22 people. 
But he still didn't make any difference. And some of our uh, brethren in churches of Christ, because a coalition of churches of all kinds came together and said, we want to have a national day of prayer and we want you to preach and we want copies of the Word of God to be distributed. And some of the members of the church there, and maybe some in this country would wonder, what are we doing on the platform with all of these denominations and all of their era? We went for one reason and one reason alone. We wanted to put into the hands of the people copies of the Word of an Almighty God. If you please, copies of our creed. If you please, copies of what churches of Christ have always said we believe. And Jesus said in the parable of the sword in Luke 8 and verse 11, now the parable is this, the seed is the Word of God. Now you guys are in a farming area. And you know about seed. And you know that seed reproduces after its kind. You know that seed works unless something vehemently works against it to keep it from working. It can be sowed in the most unusual of places. It can be sowed in places that is not prepared for it. But the seed's got power within itself. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God into salvation. And the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, the Bible says in Hebrews 4 and verse 12. So the neat thing about evangelism for us is we've just got to find ways of getting the Word of God into people's lives. And that's why, Eben, I appreciate you mentioning that I'm working with the Bibles for Africa campaign. And the reason for that particular campaign being started was, Roger Dixon said to me, as we were in Africa together, and that nation has three times the population of America, 775 million people. And he said, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough people. We don't have enough money to build church buildings and send teams all over Africa. And he said, what we can do and what we must do is get a copy of the Word of God into their hands. And there was birthed the idea that I'm fundraising for all over the country and you people, by the way, have generously given to. Two dollars each to plant a copy of the Word of God into people's hands. And we are told over there it's a, it's a low estimate that seven people read every Bible that we give out. And people are becoming Christians all over the nation. And Africa's got more congregations of the church of Christ than we have in America today. All because we are putting the quick, powerful, living, active Word of God into their hands. So it's seed. It's also the sword of the Spirit, Ephesians 6.17. It is alive and powerful. Hebrews 4 and verse 12. And some of you even said this morning in class, you know, I have trouble remembering the Word of God. Well, let me tell you something about the Word of God. Jesus said in John 15 and verse 2, now you are clean by the Word I've spoken. I'm going to give you some help here this morning. People, you know, I could ask you to raise your hands. You have trouble remembering and memorizing Scripture? Well, it's kind of like a preacher said to one preach, one, one, one Christian. Who said, I just can't remember Scripture. I, I just can't memorize Scripture. And he said, take this wire basket over under the faucet and see if you can fill it with water. And of course, he walks over, sticks the wire basket under the faucet. He said, turn it on big and powerful. 
And then he said, move it around a whole lot. And then the preacher said to this Christian, though the basket did not retain the water, it cleansed the basket. And I'm going to tell you, read the Word of God through your life. Again and again, though you may not retain it, you may not remember it, you cannot memorize it, it's going to clean your life because you are cleaned by the Word. And that's another reason we need honor and respect for the Word of God. And another thing, it defeats Satan. We sure remember, don't we, that marvelous passage of Scripture in the Bible about Jesus being tempted uh, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights and Satan came to him and then said, you know, command these stones to be made bread and uh, fall down and worship me and all of these kind of things Satan was after Jesus with. And he defeated him every time with the simple words, it is written. You know what America needs? You know what churches of Christ need? You know what each and every one of our uh, individual lives needs? We need a healthy respect for what is written in the Word of God. Now, young people especially listen to me today because we're, we're moving further and further away from that phrase. And people say, what do you think about homosexuality? And today we will talk about, well, you know, uh, they tell us you can't use that word in school and, and it's a different lifestyle and, and, and so on and so on. You know what we need? We need to ask the simple question. What does the written Word of God say? You know, I don't speak much on homosexuality, but a church in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, wrote me recently and wanted a date, and we will find one if possible, to go up there on a Wednesday night. They said, somebody told me that you had a marvelous sermon on homosexuality. And I thought, well, I've got a terrific sermon. I've got a fantastic sermon, you know. And a lot of preachers, that sounds kind of egotistical even for us to say, I really got a good sermon. But the great thing about my sermon is, it's not a word of mine. I just went from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 and wrote down every verse on sex in the Bible. And the conclusion is, without me saying a word about it, in the Bible, in the written Word of God, sex was always male and female, and always inside marriage. Period. Now, I'm not picking this morning on homosexuality, but we need... That kind of response to every issue there is. You know, you need young people with all the issues facing you. With the drugs and the alcohol and the tobacco and all the things that are, appointed, that are, that are offered to you. And the many, many chances to do and believe and practice all kinds of things. If you're raised in your family and in your congregation with a healthy respect for what the written Word of God says, you're going to be alright if you really want to ask, what does God say? about this. Well, there's some admonitions in the Bible about Scripture. It says in 2 Timothy 4 to preach the Word. And I guess I could preach a whole sermon to you this morning on that. We need to preach the Word. We need to preach all of the Word. We need to preach nothing but the Word. We need to preach the Word and not our opinions. We need to preach the Word and not our own sacred convictions on various issues. 
We need to preach it lovingly. Speak the truth in love. Number two, the Bible tells us not to go beyond that which is written. 1 Timothy 4, 6. And that's an admonition that God has given you. Everything that pertains to life and godliness, it's all there in the Bible. I mean, here's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to convince you Jesus is the Christ. Here's the book of Acts to tell you how to become a Christian. Then here's Romans through Jude that give you every answer you're going to need until Jesus comes. No matter if it's a thousand years from today, no matter if it's in different cultures, I go to Africa and Australia and all over, and you can preach the Word of God because all of the answers that we're ever going to need for life and godliness and success and happiness on the earth is contained in the written Word of God. I'm going to come back to that in just a little bit because we're also urged, don't preach another gospel. Galatians 1, verse 6 through 9. Don't tamper with inspiration. Revelation 22, 18 and 9 that reminds us, don't, don't add it. Don't add it. Don't add to. Don't take away from the Word of God. Don't nullify the Word with your tradition. Matthew 15, 6. Don't distort the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 2. You know what the Word of God is in quality of life? When you bought a car, I think maybe we've had cars so long and we're so used to them that we don't pay much attention anymore to the owner's manual, huh? But I want to remind you that the owner's manual is really important. I remember the time that our oldest son, Alan, bought his first car, a Pinto. Some cars you get in, other cars you put on. And this was one of those. And anyway, for some reason, he had his mother and I to go downtown. She drove our car back. I drove Alan's brand new little Ford Pinto back home. I'm so proud for my boy. I mean, this is my son's first brand new car. And I drive it into the driveway and I turn the key off. The motor dies and the key will not come out of the ignition. That's okay. It's new. I'm going to jiggle it. And I jiggle it and the key didn't come out. And then I'm upset. I'm going to call Detroit and tell them that they've sold my boy a lemon. The Communist Party and the homosexual liberation is probably behind this conspiracy to ruin my son. I'm all worked up. And before I call them, I thought I ought to do one more thing. Maybe I ought to look in the glove box and get out the owner's manual. And I looked, got out the owner's manual and I turned to I for ignition, not idiot. And it read, on the left side of the steering column, there is a button. Depress the button, and the key will come out. And I learned a great lesson about the Bible. God's laws in His owner's manual are not to deprive us of fun. Ford Motor Company wanted my boy to have this car and to use it. They didn't want anybody else to steal it. And they put on that car an anti-theft device so that my boy would not lose his car. And it's his. He paid for it with his own money. He can put sand or water in the gas tank because they're both cheaper. But he's going to be real sorry he did. The best thing my boy could ever do, and it's still true for you today, is when you get a new car, new washing machine, CD player, iPod, or whatever you get, Read the owner's manual and do what it says. It's the best thing that can happen to you for your product. And in life, the best thing any boy or girl 
or man or woman on the earth can do is to read the owner's manual. It's the best thing you can do. Now, if I said to you, Vladimir Skovorodnikov, you would probably say that sounds like a disease that you could die of. But in truth, Vladimir Skovorodnikov is the head of all Russian schools in the section of the world called Siberia. And I heard Vladimir Skovorodnikov speak in a very conservative church of Christ who felt like, like many of us today would say, he's not a member of the church of Christ. So they closed out the service and had the amen so we'd know it was all over and then let Vladimir Skovorodnikov speak because he had quite a lesson. He said, I bleed for my mother Russia. It's going down the tubes and I wonder what's happening. And I've made a survey. Where are the nations that are surviving with, with family values and with prosperity? And what's the reason they are surviving? And he came to the conclusion that those nations on this earth that are following the Bible are the ones that are surviving. And he said to us, we do not want your God. We do not want your church. But this book has got to be taught in every Russian school. I went to dinner that night with Vladimir Skoborodnikov and he and his wife, Lubov, and their interpreter, Adele, asked all kind of questions about the church and Jesus. And my son, who works for Missions Resource Network, called me a couple of days later and said, Dad, we have just come from the airport of putting Vladimir Skoborodnikov on the airplane back to Russia. And we stopped by the Skillman Avenue Church of Christ at his request to baptize him into Christ. This man is now your brother in the Lord. In a church in Barnall, Siberia, that has more than 500 members. But my point is, to people who don't even want God, to people who don't want the church, they are beginning to recognize we've got to have that Bible in our schools because they see it can raise a nation's success and ensure its families and keep it from crumbling. Well, that's why I went to Liberia. They said, bring us 100,000 copies of the Word of God. That's why I got interested in the Bibles for Africa. I preached in, in, in Liberia that day. Now, by the way, this nation... Ask of all those coalition of churches who came together to say we've got to have prayer back and we've got to have God and we've got to have His Word. And they picked two American preachers to preach on those consecutive days. And I got to be one of those in Jack Evans from Southwestern Christian College, Terrell, Texas was the other one. Six of us went. I preached on Proverbs 14.34. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a disgrace. To any people. And uh, we brought those hundred thousand Bibles that I have that I have no doubt are going to have a profound effect on the Word of God. And Methodists and Presbyterians and others said to me in that coalition, We believe, you believe in the Word of God, would you come here someday at a combined meeting of all of us and you preach? Jesus and Bible and salvation to us and you'd better believe I'll go. Because I'm taking the Word of God and I'll preach it anywhere at any time 
Because it is the power of God and salvation. The purpose of the Word of God is stated very clearly. In John 20 and verse 30 and 31, at the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all of those four stories about the birth and life and ministry and miracles and, and sermons of Jesus Christ. And then John said, as if we may not catch on, the reason all of these things are written is that you might believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that believing that, you may have life in His name. Now, you need to consider that when we finally stand before God, a lot of people are not going to listen to us in this life. And you need to know what's at stake if you decide in this building or in this land or in this world, I'm not going to pay attention. I'm not going to elevate. I'm not going to honor. I'm not going to respect the Word of God. You need to know what's at stake because Jesus said, everyone who rejects me and doesn't receive my words has one that will judge him. These words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. And John wrote in Revelation 20 and verse 12 and 13, God permitted me to see, not a dream, not a vision. He carried me Star Trek fashion, beamed me up, Scotty, so that I saw somewhere in the future the event that all of you are going to attend. And he said, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of the things written in the books, according to their works. I think it's extremely important that you go to church. I think it's very important that you not want to miss any service of the gathering of God's people. I think it's important that you be involved in small groups and Bible classes. But above all else, it is important in this audience, to all of you, to me and you, that we elevate in our life to the position it deserves the almighty and God-inspired and Holy Spirit-led Word of God. Now, we're going to be judged by it, the Bible says, when we stand before God. So I'm going to urge you to do this before I close the message this morning. Five things. Number one, read it regularly and fervently read the Word of God. One mother wrote in her son's Bible as he went off to college, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. Number two, pray with thanksgiving and for understanding of the Word of God. Number three, learn to use Bible study tools like a concordance and other things. Number four, make a conscious decision. It's the decision that's more important. Your understanding is very important, but the decision you make is a lot more important. I will follow God and I will obey the Word of God. And last of all, get acquainted with its author. I'll give you a story in the lessons years this morning. It was a girl. Well, she was a spinster. She hadn't married in so many years. 
So they called her a spinster and she went on a cruise. And thinking it was going to be a rather boring cruise, she took along a novel that she picked up at the local store and went on the cruise and she started, you know, walking around and doing the eating and all the things that they do and at night go in the cabin and start reading on this novel which she thought was the most boring book she'd ever read in her life. But on the cruise, she met a young man just about her age and an attraction began to blossom. And in the course of a fast blossoming into romance and love, this girl found out that this young man was an author. You're ahead of me, aren't you? And he had, in fact, written the very book that she thought was the most boring book she ever read in her life. Upon finding that he was the author of the book, she went back to her stateroom that night and stayed up all night reading the most fantastic and marvelous book she had ever read. It makes a difference when you're in love with the author. I have a chance to say a lot of times, I'll be reading my Bible on an airplane and somebody will say, it's a good book you're reading. And I'll say, oh yeah, I know the author. And they'll say, oh, you... oh yeah, of course. I always get a chance to say that. So why does this really matter? Because number one, the Word of God is going to affect the quality, the happiness, the success of your life today. And a million years from today, it will matter that you honored and respected the Word of God. And I'm asking you this morning as we close out this message and sing a song of invitation. To me, the most important part of the service is now, lesson over and get to this point. I've had my say, and now the thing is, what do you think about this? What do you want to do about this God, this awesome, sovereign God? What do you want to do about this wonderful, exciting, motivating Word of God? And some of you will say, well, God is mine, I am His, and the Bible is the way I live. And praise God for all of you. But man, we'd like to see it 100%. Are there people in this audience that have not yet surrendered to that awesome God? have not yet been baptized into that marvelous Jesus Christ, have not obeyed the simple plan, simple but mar marvelously simple but simply marvelous plan of salvation, of believing in Jesus, turning your life over to Him in repentance, confessing His holy name before men, and being baptized into Christ, raised to walk in a brand new life, forgiven, of every sin you have ever committed and start walking on the best way to live and the only way to die. And it would be neat. It's my aim. Really, it's all of our aim that we 100% this thing this morning. So any of those who have not yet come to Christ or who need to come back to Christ having fallen away from Him, you respond and get your life in Christ today. And we can all leave this building in Christ. If you'd like to respond to Jesus this morning, will you come forward while we stand and sing?